In the name of our one God, who is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Recently, Paul and I had opportunity to travel um, to Atlanta um, for our 30th high school reunion. And uh, as you might imagine, we were very, being Christian people, we were uh, very excited to see um, old friends and uh, certainly hope we look better um, after 30 years than they did. And it was, uh, it was a great, um, I mean, if we're being honest, um, it was a great time uh, and it was a great um, opportunity to go over. One of the funny things about uh, Paul and I, and, and there are many, um, but we met, um, we met in driver's ed, so we've known one another for a long time, uh, and we graduated same class, went back to our uh, high school reunion, and uh, we had a great time again, saw um, old friends, it was wonderful to see them again, and one of the things that I, I discovered, and I, and I anticipated this to some degree, and it's, it's not um, unique to uh, high school reunions, but I, but I find that as a clergyman, uh, when you go out, uh, there's nothing like a few drinks for people to begin to tell you what they think about God uh, and the church and, and, and what's on their mind. And this was true at the reunion on uh, a number of occasions when I would be off to the side uh, with someone, they would say to me, I really need to talk to you. Um, that was sort of a, a common refrain, and not uh, certainly not because um, I have all the answers and my act uh, entirely together. Uh, you know better than that. Uh, most assuredly, uh, that that is not the case. But um, but they are at what is endemic to the human condition. They're they're people in search. Uh, and after 30 years, as as you might imagine, some things have happened um, after that. Uh, amount of time. And as I think 30 years, you know, some of you think you're just a pup. Uh, and and other, uh, others probably think, you know what, you're getting around pretty well for a man your age. Um, but, you know, there it is. But after 30 years, you know, life, a lot of life has happened and there's a, there's a little more um, charity which is, uh, which is present with, with one another because um, things have, have happened and, and almost assuredly for everyone, things have not turned out exactly the way that they thought they would or the way that they hoped they would. It, you know, at that point in time, there are classmates of ours who are no longer with us. Uh, there are classmates whose lives have, have changed dramatically um, through loss uh, and through um, disease and through the various challenges that life brings our way. They're certainly in the midst of that as well. Um, blessings that we were able to celebrate and give thanks for together. But in the midst of, of all of this, and as I say, uh, a number of occasions, people say, I, I, I really need to talk to you. I want to talk to you some more because there in, in search, uh, there is that void within us that we are trying to fill through various means and efforts uh, and, and strivings of our own. Uh, and we are left after all of those efforts with the continued presence of that void that is in need of being filled. And in particular, um, one guy that uh, is a, uh, he's a successful guy, outgoing guy, confident um, guy, and, uh, but he came up to me and he was one of the ones that said, I really need to talk to you, my life is a mess, uh, was what he said. And as you might imagine, as he said that, my, uh, my, my heart uh, breaks for him. 
and I imagine as our hearts um, break for one another. And one of the things, uh, in addition to my heart breaking for him, and, and that he looks great uh, on the outside, but on the inside, he says, my life's, my life's a mess. Um, I, 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 need, uh, I need help. Uh, and while my heart breaks at the same time, uh, that is uh, the beginning of opportunity for him. That's the beginning of opportunity uh, for you and for me when we come to that point where we say, you know what, uh, I really, really need help. And part of my concern as he shared that with me was this, um, all too often, and it's not just those people, it's, it's you and me as well, uh, the church and Christians aren't always the most helpful people uh, when people come to those situations in their lives. And, and my fear is that perhaps for him and any number of other people over the years, um, what they have heard uh, from the church is basically our modern day Phariseeism. Uh, yes, you're right. Um, you need help. Uh, and here's what you need to do. You need to stop um, doing this uh, and you need to start um, doing this. And once you stop doing this and once you start um, doing this, um, then, then God will intervene. Um, then you might have hope. Then things might begin to be better. Well, let me ask you, is that not a burden? Uh, does that not sound like uh, additional baggage um, laid on you? Because I, well, I was going to say I don't know about you, but I do know about you uh, because I know about uh, myself as well. Uh, and I'm well aware that, that all of our best intentions and human striving and human efforts uh, on their own will not bring about the change um, that we need in our lives. It's funny, I, I've shared this quote over the years. Robert Capon uh, was a theologian, a seminary professor, uh, Episcopal priest, author, uh, any number of things, a fabulous cook, uh, any number of things over the years in his life and his ministry. And he was also uh, a bit of a provocateur as well in the things that he would say and the things that he would write. And I've shared this quote over the years. And inevitably, when I share it, it provokes a strong reaction and Capon wrote this years ago. He said, God can do nothing with our life, but he can do everything with our death because God is a God of death and resurrection. God can do nothing with our life, uh, but he can do everything with our death because he's a God of death and resurrection. And when people hear that, they say, well, well, well wait, wait a minute. Uh, wait a minute. You're, you're saying that God can't, um, can't help um, in my life, and, and no, that's not what Capon is saying. What Capon is saying is this, is that any hope uh, of salvation that we have in our lives, any hope of our lives being transformed and changed uh, and filled uh, comes um, through our death and through the work of God rather than through our own efforts and rather than through our own striving. And that's a challenging word um, for us to hear because we want to think, well, wait a minute, I'm, I'm fine with acknowledging that I need help, um, but, but I'm not okay with saying I'm helpless. Uh, but that is exactly what God um, says to us repeatedly. We hear this morning of an encounter which Jesus had um, with some Pharisees. And of course, the Pharisees um, are a wonderful target for us to say, you know what, I'm so glad I'm not like those guys. Uh, but let me tell you, if you, as I have, walk around 
with this particular scripture on your mind for a couple of weeks, you'll find a lot of Pharisee in you um, that you didn't think was there. Uh, a lot of um, human striving, a lot of negotiating, a lot of thinking that if I do this, then, then I'll have some um, leverage over God. Basically, the Pharisees at their best, they wanted to make Israel great again. Um, they were um, in their religious efforts and in their religious striving, uh, trying to uh, draw themselves to God, trying to make uh, themselves better, trying to make the world uh, around them better. So um, well-intentioned in their efforts, well-intentioned in their beginning place, but, but the challenge with um, all of our efforts to measure up um, to God, all of our efforts um, to save ourselves, inevitably, um, human nature comes in and those best intentions and those best efforts are distorted. And we hear that Jesus is invited to a dinner and as he does so, we are told that they were watching him closely. And of course, the humor, uh, as we see, as Jesus tells the parable, is that he was watching them closer still. Um, and he um, shared a parable um, to expose them uh, in, in doing what, what people do. And as, as I say, it's not just those guys. Uh, it's you um, and it's me as well. They, they gave to those uh, that they thought would repay them. They invited those um, that they thought would help them in some way uh, in, their, uh, in their lives or in um, their faith. There was always uh, an angle um, that they were working. They were uh, very focused on the externals, uh, but not focused upon the most essential things. They were basically caught up with the religious cufflinks. Uh, they were interested in, uh, in ritual cleanliness uh, and the various things which they could do. Uh, then in turn, God would in some way be indebted to them. If, if they did this, then God would owe them um, this. If they did this for these people, then these people would help them um, over here. The, basically, it's just sort of basic um, human nature incorporated um, into their religious devotion. And uh, it not only um, did it leave them burdened, uh, but it left the people around them burdened as well. And we see Jesus comes into the midst of this uh, and invites us, uh, but also invites them um, into the kingdom as well. We see Jesus's love and concern not only for the outsiders, for those um, who have been cast off and left on the outside, but we see Jesus's love and concern for the insiders as well, um, for the Pharisees with whom um, he dines repeatedly and, and let's be honest as well, um, Jesus' rebukes of the Pharisees, I would imagine, are certainly in large part um, due to his anger, due to his recognition that they were burdening and pushing people farther away from God rather than drawing them to God. Uh, but certainly his anger is directed as well out of his love for them, um, that they as well um, might hear the truth, that they as well um, might be free. There is the invitation which Jesus gives to them and to you and to me, to be people who enter the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom that Jesus' cross and resurrection would unfold into the world. He's inviting them, he's inviting you and me into this kingdom of grace um, where we are filled, where we are sustained, where we are free um, from all of this striving, which is so absolutely exhausting. Uh, that we might experience being full, being um, loved, being forgiven and, and restored, and, and so profoundly um, affected by that that we might in turn be people um, who quit our religious bookkeeping and people who are able to freely love 
uh, and give uh, and forgive in relationships in our lives. And, and who among us this morning doesn't need that in some way in the relationships in your lives? The ability to give freely, the ability to love freely, the ability to forgive uh, and to be forgiven, the ability to experience the restoration which is made available uh, in the kingdom of God brought forth through Jesus' cross and through his resurrection. Flannery um, O'Connor wrote at one point uh, some wonderful words which I think um, are accurate. We, we talk uh, about grace uh, as good news, and, and grace um, is good news, uh, but uh, Flannery O'Connor catches an aspect of it, and she writes this. She says, all human nature vigorously resists grace because grace brings change, uh, and change is painful. Uh, all human nature vigorously resists grace because grace brings change, uh, and change uh, is, is painful. And my friends who came up to me, you uh, and me, we, we long uh, for change in our lives. We, got, we long for God um, to intervene and to reveal himself and, and to make things better. But yet, even as we have that longing, we also have that resistance in our human nature that um, things might change. Uh, and that is a difficult prospect for you and for me. But, but let me ask you this, uh, what is more painful? Is it more painful um, to change or is it more painful uh, to continue uh, in the life of striving and scheming and trying to keep the books and trying to measure up and trying um, to keep up appearances, what sounds more uh, painful? What sounds more exhausting? I pray that um, for you and for me that we will hear again the amazing message of the kingdom of God which comes forth into the world. Jesus uh, invites uh, the Pharisees, uh, which is to say he invites you and me um, into his kingdom to be people who experience uh, the love and the grace and the reconciliation with God that are made possible um, through what he has accomplished once and for all. The way we might be people who are able um, to love freely, to give um, freely, to know that God is more than able um, to fill the tank, uh, that it will not um, run empty when we trust in his provisions, in his sufficiency, um, rather um, than in our own. One final brief story. Uh, Bishop Salmon, um, years ago, as when he was here uh, for one of our Lenten preaching series, said something which I remember well to this day. And he said this, and I can't remember what he was talking about uh, on that particular day, but he, but he said these words. He said, you know, we don't love our children so that they'll love us back. Uh, we love our children so that they will love their children. And, and that's true. Now, I don't mind a little love from my kids. Uh, that's, that's, that's a nice thing. Not opposed to that, but, he, but, he's, but he's absolutely right. We don't love our children so they'll love us back. We, we love them um, so that they'll love their children. We um, invest in them so that they in turn will be able to love and to give and to invest um, in their children. I share that with you, but here is the message of the kingdom. God and his phenomenal um, love and grace comes um, in Jesus uh, and gives uh, to you and to me freely uh, that we might be reconciled to him, that we might be free um, for the first time and free finally um, from all of our efforts 
and so free and so full uh, that we might in turn be able to give um, to others without expectation of return, knowing that God has already done more than we could ask for um, or imagine. And as we hear that this day, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that you are well aware of our, our hearts and our intentions and our lives and our predicaments. And we give you thanks and praise that you have graciously intervened in the gift of Jesus, your Son, and not simply intervened, but you have overcome the very powers of sin and death, and you have invited us into your kingdom. Through your grace and the draw of your Holy Spirit, draw us into your kingdom, most gracious God, that we might be free, that we might be full, um, that we might love you and one another, we pray, not through our own strength and merits, but through yours. And this we ask in the name of Jesus, your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen.